really hoping like my wife wouldn't come in and watch me because like there is literally a part where like this this squad this military squad goes to the beach and finds bathing suits All right, welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 322, and I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Ash. And we have a special host. (laughs) I tried to chime in like I knew what I was doing. (laughs) It worked. Totally normal. I'm Aaron. (laughs) Welcome, Aaron. Thanks. You've been on the show a couple times-ish now, so we did uh, episode packs where we kind of talk to you for a bit and then you were on the canceling the apocalypse oh, episode yeah, we yeah. put up which so was super fun, fun. That yes incredible. thank you for being a part of it we appreciate it so this is exciting oh, yeah. i'm gonna do scott's part because he's not here uh so we're gonna be talking and aaron's just gonna hang out and host with us the whole time but we'll be yeah. talking about uh game dev woes so all the yeah. bad stuff going on in the industry and i'm super glad you added this to the show notes because it's something i've really wanted to talk about for a long time but we haven't really ever gone into any detail about it on the show uh at least in a while so there's a lot to talk about with that uh we're talking about the mcu and all the fun stuff going on with the mcu so there's a lot of stuff coming up um for you marvel fans out there that we can talk about uh really big news hackers is on youtube <laughs> That's the whole news article. The greatest movie ever created. <laughs> it's now available for free on YouTube. We'll talk well, you about you ruin that. the news art. We're gonna still talk about it later. We'll right? talk about it more. <laughs> Sucks um, for everyone here. We have a bunch of reviews and what we've been playing and watching. So I'm gonna talk about Valkyria Chronicles Four, uh, Door Kickers, Action Squad. Uh, we're talking about Spider Man, which I'm excited to talk about. First Man, Maniac, Forza Horizon Four. And uh, lots of extra movies and stuff. So there's this is going to be a jam-packed show. And we also had a question of the week that we threw up uh, earlier today about AAA games and if they should cost more and what would you do to fix the industry. And we got some responses to that, which we'll talk about as well. So. All right, we are back and we're going to talk about some news. Uh, the first is... Uh, game dev woes so there's a lot to talk about here and part of it uh, is going to be addressed in our question of the week as well but i guess the first thing uh we could talk about is telltale um mm. and this one's it, it, like to me uh i was a bit shocked about this one because i i knew there had been some problems but i had no idea that it was as bad as it was i don't think anyone really did or at least if you were not in the know <laughs> uh you had any idea that there were the problems as uh you know as extreme as they were at telltale i mean the bottom the bottom line is 250 people uh lost lost their jobs um development stopped on a number of games including walking dead uh, which I read some stuff today that Skybound is really trying to hire back as many of the development team as possible, um, which I have questions about. Uh... Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that was a little bit of a move maybe to to appease the angry fans more than actually kind of help out the devs because it came so late. And I, I mean, it's it's hard to make that happen, I'm sure. But right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's they're talking about trying to rehire the devs and most of them are either they've moved on or it's just, you know, like, I don't want to stop my job search. 
to help this game for a month and then have to go back to this grind. Yeah. Like it's, right. you know, right. it, it makes sense. I, I, I get why, why it's tough and why some devs are actually turning down that opportunity, but, um, but exciting that, that at least the work that they have done will be used. Um, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I'm like, I, you know, selfishly, I want to see, I want to see the series come to an end, but yeah. at the same time, it's really a disservice to all the people that were working on the game because really the whole team is not going to get to finish it. And some of the team members that do come on, like you said, they're only going to go on for a limited amount of time. They're probably not going to get health insurance. Uh, It's, it's just a very tricky situation. Um, Like I, I, I do want to see the game get finished, but at the same time, it's like, I just really wish that (laughs) it could have been completed by the original team that set out to make it, you know? Yes. Yeah. Go go for it. Oh, we've, we've talked about this before though, with the, and we talked about it, like, I guess now ominously in a way, which was like when they started, when they went that, you know, when walking dead came out, did, very well and was was everybody loved it, it was well received uh you know and they followed it up with a with a few small ones and in, into the tales of the borderlands and uh uh i mean wolf, wolf among us is my yeah. favorite but um they, they followed it was a small thing still and i think it was when probably around game of thrones came out and i remember all of us being on the show and being like man they're starting to get a lot of these put out like (laughs) how do you put this many of these out and still maintain maintain like you know interest for one just like so that people know what's going on and what's coming out and promoting it you know all that kind of stuff but also just even from coming from like the software industry side of things expansion like that is rarely without its boom and bust cycles and if you try to maintain for too long it's usually a big bust you know like you see here where just like stuff kind of just crashes all of a sudden because you've got way too much in the air and all of your money's tied up and then all of a sudden your budget's gone and nothing's selling you know yeah and it just is rough to watch because it's like it was one of those things where you know they were such a great studio full of great people and it's just hard to watch something that was like not really any of the you know people on the floor's fault, I guess, uh, yeah. come down like that. It's it's tough. That was one of the harder ones, like game studio wise, for me to see fall apart because it, it was it was rough. But well it's just yeah. it was just shocking because they won so many awards and kind of really paved the way for a lot of these games that are um, you know, decision based narrative games. Um, and even though games like that existed before, I feel like what Telltale did was so innovative and so new. And, uh, you know, Walking Dead got so many Game of the Year nominations and won a number of Game of the Year uh, awards. It's just like mm-hmm. to go from that a few years ago to not being around is just like, holy shit. And it happens yeah. all the time these days. It's not it's not an isolated incident. So, um, you know, there's just a lot of problems. Like, I'll, I'll quickly tell. I can't get into too much detail about it because I don't know what I signed. But I could quickly tell. <laughs> Jesus. A, a, a little. This, this could be the Pause end. Pause for editing. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll tell it without any names or anything. But I, I worked um, I worked for a game studio a while ago that closed down. That's you know, that's everybody knows that. But what happened was similar in a lot of ways where all of a sudden we just uh, were relatively unaware that the studio was going to go away. We showed up for work and they said, you have to the end of the day to get your stuff out of here. 
it was like for me it was a month before my son was born uh i had no health insurance and thank god my wife had health insurance because our medical bills for the birth of our son were like almost eighty thousand dollars um had she not had health insurance and i would have you know lost my job and we would have well i mean you know we wouldn't have been like homeless but it would have been really 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 hard so uh, a lot of the people at telltale are going through stories very similar to mine um and you know luckily i was able to bounce back and everything's totally cool now but uh i do feel like something needs to be done with respect to the individuals working for these studios there needs to be some level of transparency where they are aware of of what is going on and how dire certain situations are. There doesn't need to be the smokescreen all the time. Um, I just feel like they're just people that work on these games, generally speaking, like overall need to be treated with much more respect than they are. So I think, yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. Well, um, as (laughs) I've been over, I'm Uh, like, Aaron's about to talk. I'm going to say something. Um, I did. I worked um, for a few years with Campo Santo, um, which uh, they made Firewatch and they're a small, like 12 person team. And what was really nice about that was the transparency was, you know, whether we liked it or not was there. Um, everyone always knew how the company was doing financially or otherwise, because there's really I mean, there's no way to hide it when the company is that small. But it, it allowed for a feeling of more of a horizontal hierarchy system where everyone kind of felt you know empowered by what was going on or at least aware enough so that they could prepare or do something about it whereas when you're in a company with 300 people and like what I hear the most is that the people working there knew that things weren't good weren't great but they all tried and they all like believed that they could fix it but what they didn't know is that the changes coming up from the top were just pushing back down and 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 right driving things in the other direction so despite their hard hard work to turn things around because they knew things were going downhill um it just a snap change just right kind of blew it all away the 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 leak was too big to to plug yeah, right at that point. Yeah. So and and in regards to healthcare, like the idea of unionization, allowing that's a big thing right now. Is a lot of devs are talking about do we need a union? Um, I mean, at least in America, where your employment is what provides you healthcare, and and in some cases, you know, the right to be in the country. That was some of what we heard from Telltale. Is some of the people who got laid off had just been hired like three weeks prior and moved across the country or moved to the country. And so now they have to move back because their visa, their work visa is no longer valid. And And that is not cheap. That is an expensive, expensive move. Yeah. Yes. So in terms of, you know, workers' rights and transparency, so much could have been avoided there. It's really painful. It is. I think it's not, it's not like, you know, there's, Games in general, and I, and I can't say this with confidence about Telltale, although I think I'm probably right. I, I know it about other places, but like games in general, it's not like these the heads of these studios are like jumping on their golden jet ski and like riding off into their mansion after the fact, after their studio burns to the ground. A lot of it, I think, is through, you know, fear of like, well, if we're upfront about 
what's going on with the studio. We're going to lose people because people will just start flooding out and then we will definitely not finish the game and we'll definitely not get the money that we like. We'll definitely not make back what we need to make back to keep this thing alive. So that's what like creates that weird opaqueness where they're not transparent about what's going on. But then at the same time, like it solves no problems because no one like knows what's happening. Right. Like it's, it's like a weird vicious cycle. It's, it's a little different than like, you know, like a banker, who's like hiding the fact that he's embezzling millions of dollars and then just is like, Oh, the company's gone. And then like jumps out of his window with a golden parachute and like lands totally fine wherever he's headed. I don't think games is the same kind of like evil industry, um, which is what causes this weird, this weirdness around this notion of crunch and like this notion of like, like where this money is coming from and how much money is involved because it's like, it's not, it's not as big bucks as everybody I think not in the industry thinks it is, if that makes sense. Like I I think most of these people like to be dead honest and I'm a software developer, like I make more probably than any game software developer does. They don't make a ton of money. They, they take pay hits to work in games and that's weird to me, first of all, because I'm like, every engineer I know, I'm like, just go work for Google, you know, like, whatever, like, they'll pay you, whatever, like, but it's like, that this this idea that I think sometimes the public has about what the games industry is, is is like very not realistic. And and then that lack of transparency from the top down creates these just like terrible cyclical situations where like every studio we see this happens in because no one is like dealing with this in reality. They're all dealing with like the bosses are just trying to keep the doors open as long as they possibly can so that they can maybe get that game out so that they can maybe get some money in the studio and then they can maybe keep going. You know what I mean? And they know in their heads, like we're going to have to cut 50% of our staff after this, but maybe we can just get this out and keep going. And then like, one thing goes wrong and the whole thing tumbles down and then you end up with this situation where, where an entire studio just shutters overnight out of the blue. So I, I don't know. I don't unionization. I think would be a decent step depending on how it's implemented. And I think new unions tend to work better than old unions. Old unions tend to come with a lot of money and bureaucracy as I'm sure some people yeah. in this chat may be well aware of. That's a good point, though, about um, kind of the glorification of working in games, which I feel like it's kind of shared with the entertainment industry where actors and writers and directors get taken advantage of because people are like, you should just be thankful you get to do blank for a living. You get to Mm -hmm. play around. You get to do this super fun thing. Like, of course, you're going to make a little bit less. And I feel like games is kind of a mix of like the entertainment and tech. And so people need to have the skills that you know their their counterparts in tech have but they are viewed as like lucky or you know like um less than because what they're creating is entertainment and or you know for leisure consumption um and and i know that that that's really hard for people in a junior position getting into games and 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 seeing their worth and not getting taken advantage of. Right. Because so I often they feel so much, so much validity to what you're saying. And that segue is actually perfectly into the conversation about Rockstar and sort of what's mm-hmm. going on with Rockstar about the 100 hour work weeks. And today there was a bunch of uh, counter tweets and counter articles to people that are working at Rockstar saying, hey, like, here's the hours that I'm actually working. You know, here's what I've been doing. Um, my own story, like, really quickly. Uh, I went through crunch for a game 
probably maybe realistically about two months. Uh, I never worked anything close to a hundred hours, but it was, it was crunchy. I was there late, uh, a lot of, a lot of nights and I worked weekends for about a month. So I think I did like a 35 day, no 35 days straight, no days off, um, for a game. And, uh, <clears throat> no one told me to do that. That's my, my point is I did that because I felt I was like, like you said earlier, I really wanted the game to do well. I wanted to feel valuable and I wanted to, um, do as much as I possibly could so that the game would succeed. And I feel like a lot of people in junior positions do the same thing because they, they get sort of a pack mentality. Um, I don't think it's necessarily social pressure, but there definitely is a camaraderie in game development because you're in the trenches with these people, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. You're all working together toward the same goal. You all want to be successful. You all want to make a cool thing. Uh, And the last thing you want to do is be like the guy that pieces out at like noon and goes home when everyone else is working. You know what I mean? So um, I think a lot of the, the reality of it is a lot of those pressures, some, I mean, depending on the studio, some studios notoriously are, are brutally hard on their people. But a lot of them, I think it's, I think it's uh, people doing it to themselves and electing to do it. Yeah. Um, and I could be wrong about that, but I think a lot of them that really is happening. Yeah, I definitely think that exists. But I also feel like to that point, I, I feel like if, if it's, if that is that prominent in this industry, we need to have a way for people, if they think the only way we can make this game good is if we put in so many hours, then we need to talk to management and push a deadline. Like, it shouldn't be up to um, to people's personal feelings and personal value in this game to make it good. Like, management shouldn't be relying on, on junior staff to, like, to be like, well, you know, if I do the required amount of hours on this, I won't be able to do the work necessary to make this good rather than them being like, okay, then I guess I'll come in over the weekend. It should be like, Hey manager, I need more time to do this. Please extend the deadline. No, (laughs) I think, yeah, I think you're right. No, you're absolutely right. I think this is like, man, I I did not expect games talk to come so close to the tech industry today. Uh, (laughs) I mean, this is not, just a games problem this is a this is a tech issue it's a startup issue it's a heavy startup issue it it's constant where the notion if you want to be the next you know um uh (laughs) what's really great is that there's not even any good startup people anymore like they're all terrible humans now they've all been outed (laughs) elon musk and mark zuckerberg all those assholes have all been outed and it's wonderful uh (laughs) But if you want to be the next, you know, whatever, name your company where some terrible white guy started it and has been outed as a terrible human at this point. Um, you had to put in nights and weekends and, and you know, you mm-hmm. you lived your job. That was that was the whole point of like tech and startup for a long time. And I think it's just kind of an issue at large with anything that has to do with tech. And I don't know why. I don't know. I feel like it started in the 80s or 90s when the industry turned predominantly male and predominantly like had this weird notion of like you're a dude who sits at a computer all all day and all night and just like hacks at things for fun or whatever it is um it became this notion of that's how you're like you know quote unquote elite which will lead into the next uh, point later on that we're talking about but let's say you become like elite at you know coding or whatever it might be Mm. this is a hacker's Uh, reference Yes, it is. And then and now <laughs> and now what we're seeing um, 
is just the horrible ramifications of that. And like uh, to your point, Ash, you know, we, you know, my job, we, the reason you could watch certain great shows without cable subscriptions is because there was crunch. I mean, we, we had serious crunch and like vacation outages and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we launched the, a big fight for everybody. And that was because there was a ton of crunch in that time. Like we worked heavily through those periods and they were stressful and they were terrible. What happens because of that is burnout and burnout is bad. Like it's, it's plaguing our industry right now and it's plaguing the games industry. It's plaguing tech and like not addressing it and just continuing to burn through not just junior devs, but like senior devs and management, you know, it's, it's, kind of across the board it's a problem and i don't know how we readjust it i rockstar what bothers me about the rockstar story more than anything else and the only thing that made me feel a little better was some of the tweets kind of refuted this thought was that rockstar along with like maybe blizzard and maybe a few other very you know random studios was always a studio that i looked at as going like the game will come out when it comes out it'll be done when it's done and we're going to work it to the quality we want it to be at but we're also going to make that make sense time-wise we're not going to put a fake date on something and then try to hit it because fans want it we're gonna just make the game for six years if we have to and then it'll come out in six years like that's that's how we work you know so it was just it was depressing to hear that 100 hour work week because they were one of the studios that i thought wasn't doing that you know so Mm -hmm. yeah the idea of meeting the deadline is definitely and and i and i i guess that has that probably has something to do with money and numbers but also with with fan backlash i feel like there's you know there's definitely a stigma to having to push your date or not having a date to tell them like coming soon is like the dreaded you know release date that you see in trailers like people lose their minds if they don't have a date but at this like that's i think that's where all of telltale's crunch issues came from is that they were doing episodic content and like if they didn't get episode three out within like two months people are gonna forget what happened and they won't buy or they won't play and so like that crunch came from their gaming model but above that like these giant open world games i'm sure there's there's this this struggle internally of like when to know like how to know when you're done yeah with a game that big Mm -hmm. but also have you know having priorities like that article about the the horse the horse (laughs) balls shrinking when they get like in what world is that important? Like, <laughs> yeah, like please, <laughs> let's prioritize. Like, make but that's, us that's important. That's pretty important. No, but isn't, it's not. But isn't oh. all of that weird though? Isn't it weird that an article came out about the horse balls or whatever, yes. and then, or or that the, this hundred hour work week? If, correct me if I'm wrong. That came out of Rockstar, didn't it? Like it was like yeah. a thing that they said. It was during like, the interview. Yeah, it's yeah. bizarre to me that these are like bragging points because they should not be bragging points. It should be like, like the only reason the horse thing should be a bragging point is if, Oh, we finished six months ago and the game's not coming out till October. So we, we figured, Hey, we'll add atmospheric (laughs) stuff in that. Like no one's going to care about at the end of the day. Yeah. That should not be done prior to the 100 hour. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, I guess the bottom line is that uh, something needs to change. I don't think any of us have a definitive answer. It could be unionization. It could be something else entirely. But um, the model that exists right now, I think, is set up sort of around the old studio model of of Hollywood. But games aren't made the same way that films are made. So there's going to be a lot of downtime between games. It's impossible to sustain 
um, all the salaries of everyone from year to year to year, unless the game is generating revenue, which is why we're getting so many games as a service and why, you know, all these different loot boxes and things are happening because you need to pay people in order to keep your studio alive. So I think just uh, overall something, something needs to change. Um, I think like, like I said, I don't have an answer, but I, you know, yeah. it's bad. I think it's, I think it's two things. I think, I mean, not that this is an answer. Listen to Papa Matt. Tell fixed a story it all. <laughs> uh, I think it's two things. I think that that one thing we've seen happen in tech slowly, but it is definitely happening, and it's because of unicorn companies like Facebook and Google, is that it drew a lot of talented uh, product managers, developers, project managers, all the people that you need to make a company successful. It drew a lot of that over there because there was a lot of success happening. And then what that does is it creates a wealth of talent, like a giant talent pool with you know, jobs that are needed. And then those jobs have to like figure out how to hire the right people and then expands into more cities and, and whatever, like the economics of it over time can fix itself for whatever reason. Games is a little worse and I haven't understood why that hasn't caught up completely yet. Although I think we're going to hit on it in our question of the week or whatever. But um, I think the other thing, and we can pause for editing here if you want, cause this is going to be divisive, but I think fandom needs to change somewhat. I think that we have a weird rabidness to what we think we deserve with games and movies and TV, and it doesn't always connect with reality of what can be done or what should be done or even what you really want at the end of the day. You know, like, I think what makes indie games like, you know, not to brag about who we have on, but like, like, uh, fire or not, uh, firewatch, but, uh, God damn it. I just blanked on the name. I said it, it was on the top of my goddamn head. The the really wonderful story based near Oxenfree. Jesus oh. Christ! Oh my God! I blame the beer in the stressful week. Um, Just do a take two, and Scott will make makes, you sound. What makes that game so surprising and fun was that it was unexpected. There wasn't a fandom based around it. There wasn't anything that was like waiting for it and telling it what it needed to be. It was just made, and it was made in a really wonderful, lovely, organic way. And I think we're losing some of that with games. It's like things aren't getting made organically anymore. They're getting made in this like weird system that has to both be super secretive, which I think is bad, and also like fan servicing while it's secretive. Like it's like it's just bizarre, you know? Like it's like we don't know what we're doing anymore. And I think that whole system has to change a little bit. And I think that developers need to, whether it's through unionization or whatever, or game developers in general through unionization or whatnot need to change the economics of of their work environment because it's, it's insane if you're doing crunch to the point where you're you know your whole life is a is a company that could close its doors tomorrow and then you walk right. in and have no and health insurance yeah. yeah like yeah. that's it's definitely it's, crazy it's yeah. insane like it should be built in that if your studio is going to close you get some walking money and some insurance for a little bit like it's it's mind-blowing so i don't know yeah. a cushion of some that. sort you can yeah. cut literally all of that scott if you want to cut it <laughs> I well, think we had some good points. I think I think so too. <laughs> let's uh, jump on over to the MCU stuff. Um, we could honestly talk about all the game dev stuff for like four hours, but yeah. we have we've got a lot to talk about. So uh, really quick, I just wanted to bring up some stuff that's going on with the MCU. It, most of it's good stuff. Um, the first is uh, Scarlett Johansson is apparently going to be netting fifteen million dollars for the Black Widow film. Uh, which is cool because we're, first of all, getting a Black Widow film, which a lot of people thought would never happen. So that's cool. Also, she's reportedly making the same amount of money that um, 
uh, Chris Evans made for the Captain America films, which is great. And he was really advocating for her as well. So that's just super cool. Um, so we know that she survives the Infinity War. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Spider-Man's getting prequel? made. There's set pictures and stuff. It's insane right now. We're like all <laughs> pretending that nothing's going to get fixed in the movie. Yeah. Right, right. Whoa, uh, they're not going to make forever, another Black right? Panther. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it with, flopped. They don't. Yeah. They had to yeah. kill them all. <laughs> Would it make a half a billion dollars? Yeah, they're just going to let that one go. <laughs> I think actually, I think it's surpassed a billion at this point, which is just oh, wild. Jesus, so um, awesome. Speaking of which, uh, Ryan Coogler signed on to write and direct Black Panther 2, which is <laughs> which is awesome. So he obviously doesn't make it through the Infinity War either. <laughs> uh, over to the Netflix stuff. Iron, Fl- Iron Fist has been canceled uh, after season two, which I thought was pretty damn good, actually. I really enjoyed season two of Iron Fist, but no more Iron Fist. They did say, however, that the characters will live on in the other Netflix shows, so they're probably just going to kind of spread everybody out. They do have a pretty good supporting cast on that show, so I wouldn't be surprised if they turn up on you know, Luke Cage or Defenders or what have you. But that's kind of a bummer. Um, Netflix went on to say that they also uh, do control those characters still. So even though Marvel's getting their own their own uh, streaming television channel next year, the they still have the rights to the the Netflix stuff, and they are not planning on canceling all of them. Mm-hmm. Just uh, Iron Fist is like sort of the first to first to fall. Um, talking about burping, I have one brewing right now. I got him. You guys didn't even notice, did you? I got them oh, all off so like thirty minutes. All at ago. the same time, we like trip trip the MCU burped. segment is for men. Yeah, this is just for burping. Let Ash ramble for twenty <laughs> minutes and then just everyone drink and burp. I mean, I can uh, say really quick. I think they suffer from the same problem Telltale did in a weird way, which is that. There's just too many of them. It's hard. It's legitimately I'm a giant fan and I watch all that stuff. And it's hard for me to know what MCU like Netflix shows are active and what is happening right now and which characters are where and what what order should I watch any of them in? Like, it's insane. It is is challenging. Yeah. Daredevil comes out tomorrow, which is like, oh, yeah. So it's like we just did Jessica Jones season two. Like, I'm so I've been keeping up with them, but I, I stay up in the middle of the night and watch on my iPad like a creep. While everyone's asleep. Um, did you finish that Jack Ryan? I did. Jack Ryan was fantastic. That's I absolutely I loved it. I yeah. loved it. So good. I watched most of that like on the floor of the, the hotel yeah. room at PAX. No, I know. Watching <laughs> Jack Ryan. Uh, at one other... point I was standing over you waving, trying to get your attention to see if you wanted to go get coffee. And you were just like absorbed <laughs> in your iPad. Yeah. So I do at PAX. Everyone else goes out and party. And I watched Jack Ryan on my iPad party. on the floor. <laughs> yeah, coffee at 6 a.m. was a party. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was the morning. <laughs> uh, the only other bit I have for this is that James Gunn is apparently moving over to the DC extended universe. And yeah. he's going to be directing, uh, perhaps directing, definitely writing, but perhaps directing Suicide Squad 2. Uh, I don't get these DC... <laughs> There's like a there's like a weird Joker <laughs> movie coming out. I don't understand the Joker movie. There's like a uh, Harley Quinn and uh, Harley Quinn and who uh, Birds of Prey. There's a Birds of yeah, Prey Birds movie of coming Prey. out. There's a Joker and Harley movie coming out, not associated with a Joker movie. What? It's yeah. so confusing. There's like four different Jokers. <laughs> <laughs> they all have different. Uh places of birth too you know how they yeah. came to be right 
Yeah, it's very confusing. Anyway, so I think you know, moving James Gunn over or James Gunn electing to move over there is a is really good. Um, I think he did great stuff with the Guardians, and I think he could do great stuff again with the Suicide Squad. So um, I hope that happens. Uh, let's I will quickly, say, yeah, go ahead. Uh, along with the James Gunn news, uh, Marvel fired uh, Jay or Chuck Wendig too out of the I blue. Saw that for similar doing- reasons. The Vader, he was doing the Vader series. Yeah. yeah, I think it's safe to say if you're working for Marvel, do not be political. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. I, well, he he said he got fired because of his like language. It was language how, and how politics. he was interacting with people. Yeah, but he was yeah. also he was being like <laughs> he was being attacked online. What's yeah, weird right. though is that yeah. to the credit of these dudes, like they were these guys before Marvel hired them, like and before right. Disney hired them. Like Disney hired Chuck Wendig. They knew exactly who they were hiring when they hired him. Right. So it's weird to the, fire them like later and then be like, well, look at your online presence. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> did you not look at it previous? It's very confusing. Yeah. But it's the world we live in. It is. Um, very quick news, not associated with the MCU, but Hackers is now free on YouTube. Uh, yeah, have you ever watched Hackers, the greatest no. movie about hacking ever? Oh You've never God. watched it? Oh my god! Go on YouTube now. <laughs> it's watch stop it. watching it's completely this. Completely free. Yeah. We'll, you have to wear. We'll you, you have know to wear when your reviews blades. come up. We'll let you know when your reviews come up. Just go watch it now while we're doing this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, come yeah. back in ninety minutes. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, one of the greatest nineties films Lee of all Miller. time. Yeah, I'm Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lillard. Yeah. Oh really? How can yeah. you go wrong? <laughs> it's, it is actually a pretty fantastic film. Wonderful. It's like terrible in the best ways possible. It is. Yeah. It's very and there's, there's an arcade in that film that is like my dream place to hang out that I'll never get to see because it does not so, exist. So my friend, I don't know, my I coworker David has mapped out all of the locations in New York, both real and fake that exist in this movie hackers. <laughs> and, uh, we're, we're like probably one night of drinking away from, doing our own walking tour of hackers through New uh, York. Rollerblading tour, sir. <laughs> oh, God. Do it. You have to do it on rollerblades. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I would dude. pay to see that. You pay to see me on rollerblades or to do a rollerblade tour would, of hackers? I would, I, would, I would pay to do a... a I would. A, yeah, New York City tour on blades. A hackers tour on, <laughs> on blades. blades. Related. <laughs> Related yeah. to Hackers, a movie I have not seen. I would it'll, seriously, I would fly up to New York and go on that rollerblade tour. Of- it'll probably be, um, you could probably do a two for deal where we'll do the Hackers walk or rollerblading tour and then a You've Got Mail walking tour that I lead. And we'll just do them both together. Yeah. That is one of your favorite films. I always forget about that. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is. My single favorite romantic comedy and one of my favorite Aww. movies. Have you seen the uh, the musical that it it's not You've Got Mail, but it's the same source material. She loves me. What? No. What? What yeah. is this? We've yeah, watched it's little shop, uh, well, little shop in the corner, but we've never watched. Yeah, yeah. So it all stems back to you know the 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 source, but um, yeah. There's a musical called She Loves Me, which is just you know they all they work in a perfumery and and hate each other and um, 60s. it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I was just curious it's, if that's no a story that you like. Yeah, you know. I'm. I'm gonna watch this probably. We're just gonna watch it right now during yeah. during the podcast. Right, see you guys later. You guys, <laughs> let me know when it's up to when we're done. When we're gonna talk about Horizon, just let me know. Let's uh, actually. <laughs> 
before you watch that film, Matt, can you talk about how YouTube mysteriously went down? Oh, so they, I mean, this oh, was yeah. partly a joke, a joke article, but it, I mean, it's real. YouTube had a had a full outage for an hour, uh, like three or four days ago, which is crazy bizarre. And the reason I know it's crazy bizarre is because I know people who use YouTube to know if their internet is working currently. <laughs> like that's oh, wow. how stable it is. Oh, wow. is that like? You know, if you if you if YouTube's down and you go to look at it, you would be like, oh, is my Internet out before you would think YouTube is down, which is it, that's how stable that site has been for since they've been part of Google. Essentially, um, they haven't had an outage since I think 2000 and it was either six or 2008, probably 2008, what? I would imagine. That's crazy. the last yeah. time they had an outage at all. Uh, and they had a full one for about an hour. They've said literally nothing. There's no idea as to why this has happened. They have not opened up and, and stated anything yet. They just were like, oh, we were down. Sorry, everybody. And then they came back up an hour later. And that was the end of it. So that's insane. Who knows? It was apparently during um, there was a large soccer match going on. No, that was during that was YouTube TV. There was something going on that was maybe related tangentially, but. Crazy mm-hmm. stuff. I think it might be because a lot of people went to watch Hackers. I think so, too. I think Hackers broke, broke YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> We've never had this many consecutive people watching a thing at the same time. I bet you if you pull it up on YouTube now, it probably has like a thousand views. <laughs> well, no. I'm going to look at it right yeah, now. I Googled look, it immediately look. upon you telling me that it existed because I didn't know it existed yet. Hold on. Let's see here. My friend David, who's going to do the blading tour with me, said he's going to get the URL tattooed on his stomach. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> they don't have views listed. Oh, yeah. It's probably... Oh, wait, no. 60. Oh, no, that's subscribed to YouTube movies. Never never mind. Don't listen to that. Very excited thing I almost said. <laughs> 60 people. <laughs> no, I was about to say 68 just Matt million. 60 times. <laughs> yeah. just, just pounding on that play button. All right, so we are back. Uh, I'm going to review Valkyria Chronicles 4, which is the game that broke me of Overwatch. <laughs> so wow. I, I, no, no, like I, I still play Overwatch. I absolutely love it. Um, Valkyria Chronicles, the original for PS3, was uh, one of my favorite strategy titles uh, of really of all time. I absolutely loved, loved, loved it. Have uh, you guys, either of you played either of these or even like looked at them? I looked really. at the. I watched you play a little bit of one of them, but I have not played it at all. Yeah, so it's 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 such a weird system. So first, the thing that really drew me to it is I'm a huge like history nerd and like war history nerd, and uh, these games take place in like an alternate reality where like um, it's not Europe, it's like Europa, and everything's just slightly like a little bit twisted. So like it's all about the Second World War, but you're not. It's not the Germans. It's not you know the European. It's not. It's not you know, the English, it's like completely different factions and everything's just like a, like an alternate reality version of, of war itself. But it's one of these, these games that has this really cool design aesthetic to it. Like everything is, it's, it's very Japanese, but at the same time, they're, they're doing sort of their interpretation of the second world war, but with like a weird anime twist to it. Um, and that like, describing it verbally sounds like the most unappealing thing in the world to me but like when you actually get it in your hands and you're controlling all the different units and actually uh playing the game it's super super fun it's super in depth um i think the thing that really 
appeals to me about it is they managed to take like a whole you, you control uh, a whole squad of, of characters and they managed to make over 20 different characters memorable within the narrative of a story, which is really, really hard to do. So you control, you know, different scouts and engineers and snipers and tank drivers and all this different stuff. But each character you control actually has their own personality quirks. They have their own little mini story arcs throughout the campaign. They get along with different characters better than other characters. So as you're playing through this war, you kind of get to know everybody on your squad and who works well together. And you're really eager to see how the story unfolds and how it impacts all these different characters. So it's it's crazy. So it's a a turn-based strategy game taking place in this alternate reality World War II, where there is uh, el- there there are elements of like magic and fantasy kind of weaved into the Second World War um, narrative, which makes it also kind of unique. Uh, but at the same time, there's like this just this crazy level of difficulty. And, uh, and 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 really fun to it. Like it's 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 a really hard game to describe. Um, I guess what I'll say is I've played about forty hours of it so far of Valkyria Chronicles Four, and all it makes me want to do is go back and play it again from the beginning. So oh, what yeah, it is a very all good right. feeling. It is a very good feeling. Um, the music is done by a guy by the name of uh, Hitoshi Sakimoto, who did uh, all the music for uh, like Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Tactics, dating back to like Ogre Battle and old stuff from like the, the 90s and stuff like that. So the music is fantastic. Uh, the voice acting is pretty solid. I'll say that all the characters, uh, I think probably over 30 or 40 characters, all are voiced uh, by different people. So it has a pretty, pretty huge voice cast um nobody that like i've spoken with or that i, I think they're mostly from like the japanese animation scene that's, that's where most sure. of them are from so i'm not too familiar with them but yeah i'm like i'm loving it like i don't even really there's there's so much to talk about with this game i don't even really know where to begin <laughs> i'm kind of rambly i apologize it's late <laughs> it's late it's i haven't late. done this in a you while. are rambling it's wonderful yeah it's usually me rambling uh yeah. <laughs> so the fight mechanics, it's strategy RPG, right? At the end of the day, when you're actually in the fights. Yeah. So they use this system called the uh, the blitz battle system. So it's it's turn based. But what you do is you take control of an individual unit. You move them uh, on an overhead map. And as you control the unit, it shifts to third person. So the camera shifts back. You control the unit. You like line up a shot. And then it kind of goes RNG on you. And you uh, either hit or miss, depending on like your character's stats as opposed to the enemy stats. So it's a little bit like um, imagine XCOM, but third person. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So it's really, it's really slick. So a lot of different character types. Uh, like I said, there is a really, a really well-written narrative. I would say it's pretty well-written. Uh, it's all, you know, about war and loss. Well, it's a weird reason, caveat. <laughs> the reason I say the reason I say that I mean, is I can barely own. read, but I think it's well written. <laughs> the reason I said it that way is because there are some really kind of like kind of problematic things that are yeah. just just associated with uh, like there's a point where like one of the main characters is like fixing his tank and he rolls out from under the tank and like one of the girl characters standing there with like her skirt on. And he like sees up her skirt and there's this, like weird, awkward conversation. And I'm like, why is this in this war game? <laughs> 
you know what I mean? Right. So like so much of it is wonderful. And like, there's these great moments with characters that like have been friends their whole lives and they're going through war together. And it's like, actually just like really poignant and, and great. And then there's like squad E goes to the beach and they find bikinis and you're like, why is this happening? Like, like legitimately that is something that happens. Oh, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, there's part parts of me playing like where I was like really hoping like my wife wouldn't come in and watch me because like there is literally a part where like this this squad this military squad goes to the beach and finds bathing suits that they then have to put on to go on like a beach romp and I'm like why is this a thing that's happening that I have to play through and then it goes back to like the death and horrors of war for like the next oh, 10 hours you know <laughs> Uh, so I would say, oh, good, good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you added that caveat of, you know, because <laughs> otherwise Sorry, I would have played that and been like, God, Ash loved this game. He loves that shit. I'm <laughs> having a really hard time talking about this game because, like, I think tonally it's it's really all over the place. Like, I, I'm enjoying it. I really think the systems are, are great. It's some of the best turn-based strategy I've ever played. If you're into turn-based strategy at all, if you're into military history at all, I say definitely check out Valkyria Chronicles 4. I say the worst review of it humanly possible, but it's okay. Uh, I say definitely <laughs> pick it up. It's available now on uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, the Switch, and uh, the PC. I'm playing it on PC. I tried it on Switch, but it's very it's a very menu-heavy game. And uh, I felt like it worked a lot better with mouse and keyboard than it did on controller. So demo available on all those platforms if you want to check it out. Cool. So what are you guys playing? Aaron, you're written next. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so most recently I've been playing a lot of Spider-Man. I'm, I know I'm, beh I'm behind on it. Um, oh, no, I haven't started. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Neither of you guys have played? You're on the behind I, podcast. I, okay, okay yeah. great. Then I'm in the right place. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I, I'm sadly not as far as I want to be because I lost my first save. So oh, I'm no. going oh, back no. to the beginning and the, you know, I'm normally the person who goes around and like does all the side quests and, and like achievement junkie. But now that I'm replaying like the first four, six hours, I'm just like speeding through. I just get me back on track to the story, Yeah. but I love the story. I think the game is so well-written and well-performed. That's always, you know, the first thing that I critique is the performances and it's they're fantastic voice uh, like the facial capture is phenomenal like the amount of of detail and their expressiveness it really makes a difference in all those cutscenes. it makes it so that you don't want to skip the cutscene, like in uh, many I games where you're just like it. mashing every button on your controller to try and <laughs> get it to stop no you actually want to enjoy these and the combat as someone who sucks at anything when i have to use a controller i'm just like my skills as a gamer just just not even have they it's like 75 percent worse so very worried about that but i can kind of i can kind of just mash the buttons and get away with it which is great <laughs> as, a, as a casual console gamer um and then swinging through the city is like the most incredible feeling ever uh, like they just yeah. made it feel so good and there's haptic feedback on your controller and it's just like there's multiple ways to propel yourself beyond just like a straight swing and like running up there's multiple ways to run up and like the side of a building it feels you feel like spider-man they did a great job of like really figuring out what's cool about spider-man and letting you feel that that is everything i've heard about this game everyone just yeah. says the the overall like experience of moving and traveling they actually yeah. made like traveling throughout the open world really really fun 
Um, and and like you said, I've heard nothing but amazing things about the performances and about the the facial capture and motion capture. Yeah. I just think that is so cool um, that that those performers did so well. And I, I'm dying to play this. I want to get. I want to play it on PS4 Pro though. I don't want to play it on my old <laughs> PS4. <laughs> I, just, I want it to be like super smooth, like you know. Yeah. I'm like I'm like secretly holding on to the idea that. This is a timed exclusive and will eventually come out on PC. Not, It'll never come out on Xbox. I know that. I know that deep down. But somewhere I'm hoping that like a year from now, I don't, I'm going to buy, if I get a PS4 Pro, it is literally just for this game and right. nothing else. Right. <laughs> like I don't care enough oh, about other God. games on it. Yeah. Oh, God, it looks yeah. so good though. It looks so freaking good. Yeah. I'm jealous well, of you playing and it. They're launching the the dlc in two weeks mm-hmm. sometime yeah. later this month or early november black hat uh, stuff yeah yeah so all the more reason for me to continue and for you guys to start oh. it's it's really fun it's really really fun yeah i just i i'm dying 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 to check it out but there's so much i mean i think there's red dead so drops much. next week and red dead is like a hundred hour game all your life Oh, like yeah. that's my that's my issue with open world games and like oh, why sure. I kind of gave up on the side quests in Spider Man is it's, I'm definitely more of like a a narrative person more than right. anything especially when I'm playing on console and feel like I'm so inadequate at the combat <laughs> I just <laughs> want to experience as much story as possible so when you give me like a game where you can like it's you know a hundred hours or fifteen if you just do the story it's like yeah. okay I'm just gonna do the fifteen hour game so I can play this game and finish it <laughs> right but right. I've heard the narratives on the side quests on Spider-Man are, are like super fun you're not just doing like dumb fetch quest stuff you're literally doing other uh, narrative like side stories and stuff sometimes. for different pieces sometimes yeah. some of them are a little tedious like one of the one of the um the conceits is that Peter Parker's left his old backpacks strewn about the city. Like he like spider webbed oh, them up on the backs of buildings. <laughs> it's like, where the fuck is Peter Parker getting all of these backpacks? Like, you know, like hundreds Peter of Parker. backpacks like, just littering the city with his shit. And it's just like, then your side quest is to <laughs> reclaim uh, them all. Claim those backpacks. Amazing. Just a little weird. It's, but that, you know, that's how you get like. That's weird for like a different days. reason too. Just backpacks littered around New York. <laughs> Is yeah. not a. <laughs> that's a yeah, good yeah. like, I wonder how many are around the city, and then it pulls out to like a scan of the city, and you just see boop 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 boop. Oh, like, right. oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no wonder J. Jonah Jameson thinks he's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about uh, Overcooked Two? I know the yeah, first one. The first one's now free on Xbox this month. Yeah. No, the first one. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, Overcooked 2 is really fun. Um, I think it's maybe a little bit easier than the first Overcooked, but um, they also added some more, like you can throw objects now instead of having to like dash and drop, you know, in a nice fancy way to kind of toss something to your partner. You can actually just like throw it and it's really good at the your partner receiving it. Um, and they implement that into some levels where you're just like across the way. And you have Do you, to are you playing this couch co-op with somebody? Uh, yeah, I'm playing it with my boyfriend, Nick. Um, we've played both couch co-op and also when we were traveling around um, Iceland and Amsterdam and London, we were playing on Switch handheld. Oh, that is so cool. was oh, awesome. Cool. But I will say the UI is so hard to see when you're on the handheld. Like, 
I also, I, I have bad vision when it comes to distance. So we would have to put it like really close to our faces for me to be able to see like, what's that right. need? So a lot of times he's just like calling stuff out to me. That was the the same issue I had with Valkyria on the, on the switch is the UI, I don't think was really adjusted specifically for the small yeah. screen of the switch. So you're trying to select units that were like literally like one pixel. <laughs> I was just like, right. I can't, I can't yeah. do this. Or when, yeah, Overcook's trying to tell you to either grab like a tortilla or, you know, a piece of raw chicken and they look exactly the same to me yeah. from two feet away. I don't know. I'm always they do in real life, stuff. too. <laughs> so I'm a terrible chef. Um, but yeah, no, Overcooked is super fun. Um, awesome. I mean, if you liked the first one, you're going to like the second one. I, I mean, unless you're like, unless you prefer a, a significant challenge in your Overcooked gaming, then you might be a little disappointed at the difficulty cool. level of it but yeah and uh and also on your list here what you've been playing yeah. uh you have the heavily addicting stardew valley <laughs> but now now with co-op which is something it's, that people yeah. were begging for for a long oh, time it's so good it's so good with co-op so I, it's another thing i'm playing with my boyfriend nick so my uh, my boyfriend lives in san francisco i live in la oh, so the way that we um that we hang out at night is we play games co-op together. And most of the time it's Overwatch, I will say that. But um, <laughs> when we get tired of of going down in SR, we'll swap to <laughs> Stardew Valley co-op. Um, and it's really fun. I mean, it's it's it, it changes the way you play the game. Because when you play it alone, it's just a very, um, I feel like it's a very meditative state. Like just those farming games always put me in like a nice mood. Um, but when it's co-op, you're communicating, you're, you're collaborating and like a Nick plays it very much. Like he's, he makes a, an effort to talk to everyone in the town every day to like have relationships with them. So when there are events, like there was one recently, like the flower dance and you had to choose a partner and he's like been romancing a girl in the town. <laughs> and so he asks her to dance and she says, yes. And I ask every single person in town to dance with me and no one will dance. They also <laughs> shark me off and they're like, oh, I, I'm planning on dancing with someone else. Sorry. And I'm, it's so depressing because then you have to go up and initiate. You have to tell the mayor, like, uh, it's let's like... start this event. And I had to stand on the sideline <laughs> in the <laughs> while he dances. Just so like middle just, school for me. Yeah, exactly. It's cool to see, like, to, to mesh two people's play styles into one and, and see how it goes. That's, That's awesome. Fun. That's yeah, super fun. Yeah, I, I've watched, I've, I've never actually played myself, but I've watched people stream that. And it is very super relaxing and zen. They always have, like, yeah. very chill music playing and they're just, you know, oh, so plucking cool. crap out of the ground and running around. I'm like, oh, this looks super relaxing. Yes. And the seasons all feel very cozy and. That's really cool. Games like that are really are, are super. That's actually like one of the reasons jumping back to Valkyria for a minute, like having a, a, a turn based strategy game where I can just kind of sit and stare at the screen after playing Overwatch almost exclusively for like <laughs> years and having, you know, like the stress of playing that game. It's really nice to play something where you don't have to uh, have all your neurons firing at the same time. Are you playing comp right now, Overwatch? Let's talk about Overwatch. Are you playing comp right now? <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it's in the, like a really. I haven't played comp this season because I'm just like I I can't handle it. But yeah. is it is it in a bad place? Because everyone's saying it's like it's kind of going through some some bad stuff right now. Oh uh, well, I'm not a great judge at it. I so I full transparency been stuck in gold for a very long time. <laughs> like, uh, I'm I'm in gold too. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's basically once you fall back into gold, it takes you months to get out because it's that weird tier of like 
you might get a team that communicates and you might right. get a team that won't say anything. Right. And they're just going to play their single hero and they're not going to swap and they're going to say, right. well, I'm getting picks. And you go, yeah, but we don't work with the team. Anyways. Um, or you get well, the guys who like literally just don't do anything, which happens all the time right. in gold. Like sure. throwers and stuff are crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which all sucks. But um, yeah. but yeah, I think with all the changes happening to heroes right now, like with Torb's update and um, Sims, not super recent update, but it's like core core changes to characters where the metas are are kind of swapping around so it's all right. about at least in like when i play solo no one really knows about those changes so it is really rough but when i play with nick who is <laughs> much higher tier so when we play together we're right. facing off with we, we get matched with better teams but we're also faced against better teams but like the way that they communicate is so different they're like calling out you know like let's do the goat strategy it's like it's it's such so a that's different super fun. that's super yeah. fun i've only had a chance to play like that level of communication a handful of times and it is a completely different game yeah it's um, so fun it is super fun but i i'm i'm still loving it like i tried out all the torp stuff um, I love all the changes to Symmetra. I think she's super fun to play now. I'm really interested to see what they're going to announce at BlizzCon. There's all yeah. sorts of rumblings of, uh, you know, of big, big changes coming to the game. So I still love it. I think, think I think it's great. I just yeah. uh, had to take a little bit of a break, especially from comp, because it was just... It gets rough, yeah. Yeah. You get the sweats. You're sitting there sweating. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> just dripping sweat at midnight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth it. It's tough. It yeah. is. Well, and now with that, um, that the league, what is it? Searching for whatever they call it, when you can create like a group, you search yeah, for a group. The that LFG. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, that's, that's created this kind of like weird tension of, cause now you can hide your profile so people can't see your SR mm -hmm. and people get really upset if they can't see it. And so they, they'll boot you if they can't, if like the leader can't see like what your SR is or what your win rate is on the characters that you're picking are it gets super intense and so they're just like you're gonna get booted if you don't <laughs> make yeah, your profile no, it's horrible it's like yeah and so i do and then they you know they start they're like so you only got a 37 percent win rate on zen huh <laughs> i don't think that's actually my win rate by the way <laughs> i'm just making that up <laughs> that's probably mine on zen but yeah it just it uh, it creates a really weird kind of like political conversation at the very yeah it's, and uh, hopefully like, if you can get past it i like i yeah i can't I can't handle that. That's why, like, I've just been doing fucking arcade for like the past. Yeah. Six well, months. that's where you get the the most loot boxes, and so when yeah. it's a like a Halloween event right now, that's that's where it's at. Yes. Speaking yeah. of sweats, we should talk about uh, Forza Horizon Four. Oh, hey, I'm still here, guys. What's Transition. up? Transition. I saw. It's fun being able to watch because I saw Matt just like slowly sinking away, smiling like other oh, talking shit. about Overwatch. Sorry. You know what? You want to know what I think? I'm gonna attribute half of the popularity that overwatch is <laughs> it has its own language and dialect <laughs> and like <laughs> it's like being in a secret club and like you guys can talk and you say acronyms and words and none of them are english like it's it's just you have left the realm of like speaking <laughs> things that make any sense whatsoever if you don't play the game so it's like i still what's an sr is it sanrio what are we still talking about rating still ranking <laughs> Rank. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, San, yeah, yeah, sure. There we go. Yeah, yeah. It's your San totally. you know, rank. I knew that. How many bad it's Maroos you have? How many Hello yeah. Kitties do you have? Are you gold? Are you silver? Are you platinum? Oh, master, you grandmaster. You'd be a grandmaster, Matt. <laughs> you you wouldn't be, man. So. I think I so. Doubt it. Uh, I don't sweat playing Forza. That's the, that's the secret to Forza Horizon 4. 
I was explaining it to a friend today. So so Horizon Four for anybody who doesn't didn't listen a year ago or whenever Horizon Three came out. Scott like offhandedly suggested it to me and I got it and then got horribly addicted to Horizon 3 and started telling everyone to play the game because it is fantastic. It's a very fun arcadey version of a driving game. Uh, You even bought me Forza Horizon 3 as a gift. Oh yeah, we Scott and I bought it for your birthday, right? Or well, no, you bought it. You, you just felt bad for me because I had gotten laid off. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> was probably a pity gift. Scott and I bought it for you. Yeah. Um, so Forza Horizon 4 takes basically the same exact formula from Horizon 3, which was set in Australia, moves it to England. Um, so you're driving around the British countryside, listening to pop tunes. It's just the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, but the system's basically the same. You've got a bunch of different types of races. There's like, um, you know, off off street, street races, uh, track races, um, or off road. I said off street, off uh Man, and then there's a few more. They added some like movie stunt ones where you're doing these like specific stunt drives to like get points. All of it is is in an attempt to build an audience or a following. And then as you do that, you progress kind of through the quote unquote narrative of the game, which is that you're rebuilding Horizon in England just like you did in Australia. Um, so not a lot has changed there. There's a few other little minor differences. You buy houses now. So mm. before in Horizon Three. Anytime you wanted to change cars or like mod your car or doing like that, you had to drive back to one of the Horizon sites. Like you had to go find a Horizon site and then like park it and you could switch out cars and change your car up and whatever you wanted to do. Now, kind of littered throughout the map, there's houses that you can like purchase. Oh, um, cool. And those houses just become your home base and there's like a bunch of them. So you can basically, you're never too far away from being able to like pop in somewhere and switch out your car and do whatever you might need to do to like do the next race that you're trying to match up to. Um, The absolute joy of this game, there's seasons now, which I think they make a big deal out of, but I'm going to be dead honest with you. While it is very fun having (laughs) different seasons, like kind of change throughout the map while you're driving. uh, It's just kind of different weather. Like it's not, (laughs) it's a video game. You're not really like in spring. You just kind of like, it feels like spring, I guess while you're driving around. So the car sticks to the road a little better, you know, and then it's snowy. Like, well, now it's snow time and you drive through snow. Uh, So, like, I'm not going to harp on how I'm sure there's like engineers out there that are like, asshole, (laughs) I spent a year and a half of my life making it snow, you know. It doesn't make the road like icier or anything? No, it does. Okay. It, It changes the dynamic of the game, which is what's fun about it. But it's not like it's not constant. It's it's weirdly done kind of progress wise while you're playing. So it's it's not as like fluid as I kind of pictured it in my brain when they were first announcing it. I thought it would like kind of like seasons would just be changing and it's like not really how that works at the end of the day. It kind of is based on like game progress as you're moving through. Hmm. Um, At least right now, at some point I assume once you've like unlocked everything, maybe the seasons just kind of like change over time or whatever there is day and night, which is actually pretty cool. And that is like a constant cycle that you're driving through. Um, and does change up like kind of how you drive or what missions you might take on or whatever. Um, the true joy of this game, and Ash and I were talking about this a little bit before the recording started, is that Horizon to me is like the best of what a sandbox open world game can be, which is the joy of, and I think Spider-Man to an extent, the joy of the game is just exploring and driving around this open world. Like it's not like, the mode of transportation in horizon is the game mechanic also. 
So it's like you're never like too far from doing the thing that they built the entire game around while you're just driving around the world, you know. So it's a lot of open world games to me, I think, become it's like a task. Like you, you're like, oh, God, I got to go over there. <laughs> and at a certain point, you just don't want to anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it becomes no too much fun, work. Yeah, no matter how fun, you know, swinging around as Batman or as Superman or Superman, Spider-Man or as, you know, um, being an assassin is in a world like at a certain point traversing a map is just like it's like D. like it just becomes a tiresome task that you're like i don't how do we zoom through this part you know mm-hmm. and and with forza it's like that's the joy like i honestly there are times where i will play for an hour and not do a single mission and just drive around the british countryside listening to like charlotte gainsburg on the radio like it's kind of <laughs> insane Fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's cool. great that's a versatile game it's, it's yeah really, truly fun and like i had a realization the other day that i wonder because forza itself and when you hear the forza brand it's very much like gran turismo where it's like the you know everything's modeled down to the square inch of a car and a track and it's built to be this perfect simulation of like racing and making sure that the car is perfect and the engine sounds right and all that that's that's like forza's thing right i there's a part of me that wonders if horizon came out of like test modes for them where they just found out that driving the cars around <laughs> was fun at the end of the day right, and, that, right. and that like if they made a mechanic around it it might make for a really fun game because that feels like what's going on in it is that they started with this base level of like hyper detail and then realized if well if we made it a little arcadey and just kind of made it fun people might just enjoy driving around in these things these insane cars that you're otherwise never going to drive you know and there's hundreds there's like over 200 this time oh, there's, right is a crazy like an unattainable amount of cars it feels like it's just it's just never ending and they give them to you like candy too nothing is like i think it's the other kind of fun relaxing joy of the game is that nothing's really held back from you like i've been playing for a while and i have like three million dollars and if i want to buy a car i can just go buy a car get it painted or whatever upgrade it as high as you possibly can upgrade it because it's not like nothing's being held back from you while you're doing it. It's not this nice. weird game of like, go fetch these things in order to have this stuff. Yeah. Or like grind for forever to earn it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't That's feel awesome. like that. And, and granted, I came in having played three so much that like I was already okay at driving and uh, I might be earning money at maybe a little bit quicker, quicker clip. But I didn't feel that way in three either when I first started out. So I think it's just, it's just the game feels like it was made to be fun and joyful. And that's a really kind of what I need right now in life. So it's really fun to just drive around and enjoy myself. And the only tidbit I will leave is that I told Ash and Scott this on Slack, but I bought a four, a 19, or I didn't buy, I think I got it through some contest or something. I got a 1994 Ford Escort <laughs> and I spent $90,000 on it and it goes 190 miles. An hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I race it all the time it's like the i have i literally have like a lamborghini and a mclaren in my garage and i go in and i pick out my 94 ford escort and drive it constantly it's my day-to-day car in forza horizon that's awesome and what's what's fun about it is that when you do races they match um the race to your type of car and like the level that you put your car at so there's kind of like two mechanics of like your car is a you know old beater car but then the the number it's rated is like 900, which means you've like maxed it out entirely. But what's really fun is that 
when I get into races in the escort, like everyone else is also driving these like souped up like civics and escorts and stuff. And it just looks insane to be driving around the countryside in a ridiculously painted escort at 180 miles an hour racing a bunch of, you know, like Subarus and just bizarre cars <laughs> that I'm sure none of the Forza engineers intended for. They're like, drive the Lamborghini. And I'm like, no, that's awesome. <laughs> so, that's so good. If you liked if you liked Horizon 3, Horizon 4 is is like just they just really fine tuned everything. It's super fun and super good to play. I kind of want them to add more songs. I'm not as happy with the soundtrack as I was last year, but there are some really good ones in there, like little hidden gems. Um, and then if you didn't play three at all, uh, pick, Horizon 4, you, you were talking, Ash, it's going to be in Game Pass in like a month, I think. Uh, I think it might be. It might be going to Game Pass. I know um, there's some really good stuff in there now. I think yeah. it, that's on its way, and then we said State of Decay is uh, already yeah. there. So it's just it's just a super fun game and absolutely worth like spinning up and playing for a little bit. It's it's just it's not it can be tense when you're like in a race, but it otherwise is just relaxing and fun to play and just really a nice time to just cool off and not have any specific people you have to murder. You know, nice. like <laughs> no hidden <laughs> <Yeah>. tension. <laughs> So, well, speaking of murder, uh, I'll do a quick <laughs> six, 60, 60 second review of uh, Door Kickers Action Squad, which is, I love the title for this game, so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so, door, play it already with you, but. We, got a, we got a review copy of this a little while back and just haven't had an opportunity to talk about it, but it's, um, it's super fun. It's like a 16-bit throwback um, arcade style uh, Rainbow Six Siege. So you play as a member of a SWAT team and you have a, a series of different tasks, uh, 8-bit style, to go in and, and either rescue hostages or defuse bombs and, and you know do all the things the SWAT team members do. But the thing that I really ended up loving about Door Kicker's Action Squad was the fact that um, there is just a whole lot of... Um, what's the right word I'm looking for? It's, it's not a kind of spammy... Uh, action platformer there you actually have to really plan out and 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 be very strategic about how you move throughout a level so for instance you'll get to a door and you'll have an opportunity you can either pick the lock you can kick the door down you can shoot it with a shotgun but you don't really know what's on the other side because they use sort of fog of war so if you shoot the door down you may kill a hostage on the other side uh and that, you know, lowers the number of points you receive for a level. So you have to go through and actually methodically go through each stage and figure out how you're going to rescue the people, how you're going to accomplish the task at hand. And uh, it's actually very, very challenging. And you have a very limited amount of hit points. Um, there's, I think, five or six, I think, you know, five different character types to choose from. Each one has... Uh, upgrade trees each one has different weapons they can unlock there's so many different layers to this game it's super cool it can be played co-op uh i definitely think if you're looking for a fun couch co-op game check out door kickers action squad it can be played online as well super fun i played i think one night for like four hours straight and i played through the first like 15 20 stages and i could not stop playing um if you're into this sort of stuff definitely check it out awesome yeah it was fun um oh we're gonna start talking about movies now huh oh god we can speed <laughs> let's speed through it we can speed run it <laughs> okay we can speed we can speed run it let's do it okay well i was gonna talk about first man i just saw it this weekend um i actually so i'm <laughs> aaron 
oh god i just said i was gonna go fast but little side note i'm newly minted bafta member um Ooh, and one of the nice. perks is that they invite you to special screenings where you go to q a's afterwards so when i saw first man they had a q a with damien chazelle and ryan gosling and justin hurwitz and josh singer and they all talked about it and it it really enhanced the movie because the movie is very cerebral so it's it's about um neil armstrong Mm -hmm. um, who was the first man to touch down on the moon and kind of his process of getting there um and the most interesting aspect really because going into it i was like okay another space movie like we've had a lot of those recently a lot of them about things going wrong in space and people fixing it. So it was, I was curious to know, like, how is this going to be new and different? Um, and I really liked the what they chose to do, which was kind of focusing on um, the people who made that first step possible. So it okay. was, I mean, it was from, you know, Neil Armstrong's point of view and he was the central focus, but it was about, you see his journey and all the people and all the previous expeditions and, the baby steps that they had to take in like that decade prior to just make it possible to get something to the moon and then to have Mm -hmm. people like exit and be on the moon and all the people lost and all the taxpayer money gone. And it tells you, you know, like it reminds you what the public was thinking of them at the time and how that immediately shifted once we finally kind of stuck it to Russia and, and touched down on the moon. And, um, so besides, you know, the historical aspect and and the kind of the um, the humanity of of the space race and, and of of space travel, at least mm-hmm. in the 60s, um, it's also just like, you know, I'm a Gosling fan and I thought he nailed it. I mean, it's 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 in his wheelhouse for sure. And that he's, you know, right. he's quiet and and very in his head and um, and Claire Foy is in it and she kills it she's fantastic yeah Yeah. i mean if you've seen the crown you know how good she is at working her eyes (laughs) she's (laughs) these big blue eyes and like she just will make you melt in this movie with her eyeballs what what was it like being in the same building as ryan gosling (laughs) (laughs) it was funny because the bafta crowd it was a sold out um uh, audience, which is rare for BAFTA screenings. Normally, it's just a sprinkling of people, but clearly, this Q and A drove traffic to the screen. Yeah, um, yeah I, we were. You could tell the theater was all trying to play it cool. Like first yeah. came out Damien Chazelle, <laughs> and we all clapped, and then Ryan Gosling was announced, and you could tell people were like, "Just keep your cool. Like clap at the same <laughs> level that we just clapped. Don't go crazy. No one was wooing." Um, so we were all very respectful. No, no clothes um, were thrown on stage. No, no bras, no roses, no panties. Yeah, it was all very good. Um, good thing I wasn't there. It would have been panties for days. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was fine. Yeah, he's he's exactly what you think he is. In life. Uh, I heard he's a very nice man. He seems yes, he seems quite pleasant. And I've fu- heard nothing funny. but good things about First Man, and, and yeah. I'm super interested in seeing it. It's like yeah, right in really the wheelhouse like of topic and actors and everything yeah sorry that wasn't fast at all no it was good (laughs) makes me actually really really want to see i had no idea it was uh mainly about like the people that helped them along the way i like that a lot um i've heard also really good things about maniac how was that right yeah that's a uh newish series on netflix with um emma stone and jonah hill um and it's directed by fukunaga who also did true detective Mm -hmm. which was honestly why i was mostly stoked about it um it's a weird show but it's my kind of weird so 
it, you know, I can see how someone could watch it and be totally confused and lost. And it's, you know, like too quote unquote quirky for them. Um, but it's, it's weird and, and it's a fun journey to just kind of go, I don't want to talk too much about it because it kind of spoils the journey, but, right, right. um, but the general premise is that two strangers are, they take part in this pharmaceutical trial in this like, kind of like eighties, like noir themed future where like there's, it's called ad buddy. It's like a way that you can pay for things is by if like, it's a form of credit. Like if you can't afford something, you could say I'll pay with ad buddy. And then someone will come up to you and be like, okay, here are the ways that you can pay ad buddy back by like participating in trials or becoming like a walking advertisement or like uh. selling your likeness to us or something like that. So, so we're almost weird, there I, in reality. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, and that's what's so good about it is it feel it's like that's not that far away. <laughs> it uh, doesn't yeah. feel like, you know, Blade Runner feels far away. This mm, feels yeah. very close. Um, but anyways, it, it kind of um, you follow their journey within the pharmace pharmaceutical trial and see like how these drugs are affecting them and how their stories are interwoven. And it's I, I mean, both of the actors knock it out of the park and I really love the mood of the show. It's very cool. I, definitely. I love I love quirky, strange stuff. like, And also Jonah Hill lately has been doing some really just fantastic stuff. Yeah. I heard really great it. stuff about. Uh, 1995 his movie that's about to come out yeah. um which i'm really excited to check out maybe i'll even go this weekend if it's out so yeah matt have you seen movies it says bunches of them you know what else happened in 1995 right <laughs> what uh, hackers the movie came out <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, bring it all back uh, i also, bring it all back. I hope I also watched a cerebral movie, movie. Um, I watched Skyscraper with The Rock that I want to talk about because it's so fucking entertaining and everybody should watch fun, entertaining movies on occasion. Everything doesn't have to be a brilliant thing. To watch a bad movie about a guy scaling a skyscraper that's on fire with his fake leg. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It truly was like, so the only backstory I have, I'm, that's a dead honest review. I loved the shit out of this dumb movie. It was super great. Uh, the plot's nonsensical, so who cares? But everything else in it is fun. And uh, Nev Campbell is a badass in it, so go watch Nev Campbell being a Nev badass. Campbell. Nev Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, like, her and The Rock actually have... What I will say is started out as great chemistry and maybe waned a little in the end, but at the beginning of the movie, they felt like a real married couple with a real family, and, and that was super wonderful. And then she she actually does, like, literally kick ass later in the movie, and, and nice. it is wonderful. Well, I do um, imagine that, you know, there's there the situation they're in could put some strain on their marriage. Yeah. So maybe that's what you're sensing. <laughs> it was just real emotional reaction in the movie is what I was sensing. Um uh yeah, I don't know. I watched I for we were this is a long tangent I don't need to get into, but anyways, I watched Willow for reasons. And Willow. It made, yeah, Willow, the nineteen eighties movie starring yeah. Matt uh, Mardigan and Yeah. Starring Val Kilmer and um yeah. uh yeah. Warwick Davis. It made me miss the days of original IP movies, just movies written about things that some most likely coke addled writer just like spit out of his brain. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and so I watched Skyscraper too. Like there was just something about like, you know, Blade, well, not Blade Runner, that was a book, but like, uh, 
move willow just happened like somebody just wrote just like that <laughs> this sounds fun and it's george lucas is who i'm talking about but like it's just insane that that just happened and i don't feel like it happens as much anymore maybe miss it so i watched skyscraper and it was really fun and the only backstory i had to it was that when we were in la um we went to what's the theater it has like the cinedome is that what it's called right the arc light arc light yeah on sunset. We went to the arc light dome and we were gonna see um we were like, well, we can either see Ant-Man or Skyscraper. And Skyscraper, <laughs> well, hold on. Skyscraper was in the, the dome, but it was like oh, an okay. hour and a half later. And Ant-Man was like in 30 minutes. And we were like, ah, I guess we'll just go see Ant-Man. And like, feelings aside, I didn't love the second Ant-Man. But now I'm like, man, I could have seen Skyscraper in the dome. <laughs> <laughs> dome and I um, missed it. Missed opportunity. You see, your love of this movie is why I tell you to watch all the Fast and Furious films in the theater. I'm gonna oh, watch God. them now. Although I'm starting to realize I might just be a The Rock fan. Like I might just be oh, a I fan love of the rock. the rock. Like yeah. I think it's just I love, super I love Aaron, super Aaron's face when I said I love the Fast and Furious films. She went, Oh God, oh Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. No. That's that the right reaction. That just baffles me. Like I, I remember when the latest one came out. I was at the movie theater on opening night for something unrelated, and I was so confused at the turnout. Like yeah. oh, I yeah. just completely forgot that it was still a thing. But clearly, mm-hmm. half of America has not forgotten, and in fact, Everyone will show up on opening mistakes. night. I yeah. Yeah. This makes a billion dollars. It's yeah. insane. It's like you can see like a tank get dropped out of a plane falling onto Why a not? boat. <laughs> Yeah. Like dudes arm wrestling on the tank as it's falling out of the sky. My dream. <laughs> Guys, Number he climbs across there. a skyscraper with duct tape on his hands and feet. You should just watch this movie. No. So fun. Watch, like Spider Man style? Yes. That's yeah. not possible. Wonderful. <laughs> duct tape? Yeah. No. The suspension of disbelief would not hold it's through that. So good. It's that's, it that's is... our future president right there, by the way. It's wonderful. Everybody should Please. Watch. Go watch Skyscraper. It's a fun movie and you'll forget about right. terrible things for like All right. Years. Well, I want to go think... on a Skyscraper again? Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all works out. Don't worry. Okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the Rock lives. All right. <laughs> Neb Campbell, though. <laughs> Melissa was watching it and she literally halfway through, she was like, wait, why is all of this happening? <laughs> It's like, oh, there's a hard drive. Just move along. It doesn't matter. The reason why doesn't matter. (laughs) Just be grateful that it is. (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break and come back with our question of the week. Word. All right, we are back with our question of the week. And we asked, uh, the price of AAA games has remained relatively the same for decades. Do you think games should cost more? What would you do to fix some of the problems plugging the industry? Reply and let us know. And we'll we'll read your responses on this episode. So um, the reason I brought this up is because I, I stumbled across a fact that I thought was just pretty crazy. And it's the fact that some N64 games, when they were originally in stores, were like, Seventy-five dollars, yeah. Uh, which, with inflation, is like over a hundred dollars. And old NES games—I don't remember them being this much—but were about fifty to fifty-five dollars. So we're talking like oh, Me- NES Metroid. Games? NES games were fifty to fifty-five dollars. Um, so the really, generally speaking, no, the price—that's with inflation. No, it's not. 
I swear, look it up. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. I would have oh. never. How did I get any games? I ever? know. <laughs> it suddenly makes sense why my parents wouldn't buy me games. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Why we played the same four games a thousand yeah. times. Right. Because they were insanely expensive. Yeah. So those games were a lot of money. Um, they haven't changed in in price all that much. I think what the average is like fifty nine dollars right now. Yeah. So uh, the first response is from Stumpy Nat. She says, I'd pay for more for games, particularly if it meant uh, single player games would actually be single player. The whole games as a service persistent online world can be annoying. Now I love MMOs and that kind of play, but I don't want every game to be an MMO like beast either. And there's, I think, a lot of validity to what she's saying. I think um, there was a, a period, even a few years ago, where everything was giant open world sandbox, and it was so hard to get through all of those games. And of course, we still have a lot of titles like that, but I don't think it's quite as quite as prevalent as it was a few years ago. Uh, I think also because those games are really expensive to make. So, yeah, I like the idea that that we kind of stray away from the like if it's a big game it's 60 bucks like it should we should have a little bit more diversity in in our pricing system and actually right. value the game for for what it is rather than mm-hmm. kind of sticking to this like well that's what everyone else you know charges like it's basically 20 dollars for these indies like 10 to 15 hour indie games and then 60 bucks for any triple a title and it's it doesn't right. make sense when they're all so different yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There definitely needs to be a, a bigger range, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, Murder Spagurder. <laughs> <laughs> is that the October name? At, yep. Yeah. At, is, I've never known, is it Thessa Rose or The Sorrows? Let's say The Sorrows. Yeah. Sure. I would absolutely pay more for AAA titles if it meant devs got better working editions. I'd also pay more for exclusively single-player single or couch co-op games since there are fewer slash no microtransactions. Yeah, I, yeah. My my thing, my thinking on this, my brief non-rambly uh, rant from earlier thinking on it is the only example I think we have of good news is that mobile games used to all be free, like period. Like no one thought people would spend a lot of money on an iPhone game. And now you see things as, you know, Simple is not the right word, but as small in scope as God, that's another terrible way to write it. Say it. You see, like Donut County selling for four ninety nine on an iPhone and doing well. You know what I mean? Or you see Florence selling for I think it was like two ninety nine on the phone, and it's such a good game and it's scoped right in price. But that's a game that I think no one like. If we were going back in the iPhone realms of like six years ago, I don't think people would have spent two ninety nine on a narrative romance game on the iphone i think Mm -hmm. markets can change so hopefully triple a catches up but who knows it is more expensive Mm -hmm. meat sack filled with mostly water (laughs) i'm glad you got that one (laughs) also known as a baker n7 says I could write a thread on this, but yes, I would pay more for AAA titles. When I look at the number of hours of enjoyment and divide that by the dollars I paid, I really feel like I'm ripping off the developers. Just as an example, I actually calculated this for Mass Effect 3. With 12 different Shepherds playing each one through <laughs> twice, and my canon Shepherd playing through four times at 85 hours each with all the DLC, that was 1,360 hours, add 700 hours for multiplayer, and it was 2,060 total hours played. 
I spent $320 with the game and DLC, so $6.43 an hour. So I feel it was money very well spent. Wow. Wow. Dedication. (laughs) I wonder you have N7 in your name, sir. That is impressive. (laughs) That's that's more than my Overwatch hours, and that's a multiplayer game. Yeah. That's, that's really impressive. impressive. I mean, yeah. when you love a game that much, like if like if you're playing a game 12 times, right. I you're absolutely going to feel like you get value out of it. That's right. what's so hard is it's like it's it's that idea of like you can get so much more out of a game if you love it. If you hate a game and you like, you know, pity play it just to complete it, mm-hmm. you're going to maybe feel ripped off by that $60, but if you love a game, especially if it's open world, you you can get so many hours out of it. Yeah. And so it's it's hard because you're judging it not by so much what that game has to offer, but what you specifically feel like it offered you. And then we're getting into a really tricky place yeah, <laughs> of valuing I agree. and no, pricing a game. <laughs> by it those is very calculations, tricky. by those calculations, Andrew played Mass Effect three for three months. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot Meat of sack filled with mostly water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Really loves Mass Effect. <laughs> yes, he does. That's impressive. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so the next one is from Robert Framering, who's Mr. Slick. He says, I think $70 isn't too much to ask uh, for by publishers. It's a good starting price as an increase, but I would like to see more exploration of prices. Not every game is a full price game. PlayStation start do- started doing with Ration and Clank, Knack, and PlayLink games. And I think uh, Aaron's- Aaron said the same thing. I think that's a really yeah. good point. I think you do see saw a little bit more variety on Steam, but you're right. I think most indies are you know, within a certain range. Then you get to AAA, and AAA is all you know $60 and above. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I think I mean, we did it, guys. More, I paid more than sixty for Horizon, but I won't say what I paid because it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, now you have to say it. Meat, yeah. er, meat sack filled with mostly water broke it down for us. Uh, yeah, come I, on, man. I bought the I bought the full diamond level VIP experience of of Horizon Four, which was ninety nine ninety nine. So I've done. I went before. all in. It's all that's right. not even a physical that's not for physical goods either. I bought that digitally I'm assuming you love the game. I do. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. So yeah, um, I like I like the idea that if you love a franchise or you love a game, you can yeah. pay more because for more content because you are choosing yeah. to invest yeah. in that game. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know. We'll get there. I don't know. We'll get there eventually. I think I think it's going <laughs> to yeah. change. I think the market will change because I think the market has to change or it's we're just going to see a burnout. So, yeah, I agree. Well, I think we that brings it. us to the end of our of our <laughs> wonderful show here. Uh, this has been episode 322 of the Rated NA podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Nerd Appropriate. You can go to our Facebook page, which is slash Nerd Appropriate on Facebook. You can email us directly, and that's nerds at nerdappropriate.com. Um, Aaron, where can people find you on social media? Um, on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron underscore Yvette and my website, AaronYvette.com. It felt weird that I mentioned it. I felt like I was too heavily pimping myself out. Even you should fine. edit that out. <laughs> no. We're going to put it in. We're going to add echo and special effects yeah. around it. Hey, Aaron, if we keep Ash on the line for three more minutes, we'll see him melt into a puddle. It'll be really fun. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I can hack it. I can hack it. <laughs> 
just have, I just have a toddler that's going to wake up at like 5.30 in the morning and be like, let's play Paw Patrol, motherfucker. 